Hello, it's Monday the 4th of December. I'm Miranda Sawyer and Thatcher's still a swear word to me. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we cover ourselves in Pritstick and run around the office whilst an intern rips up some newspapers and chucks them in the air. Whatever bits end up on us, we carefully remove with tweezers and then we collate them all into an up-to-the-minute and slightly sticky news podcast, just for you. These are getting grosser. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've been enjoying the show, then why not vote for us to win an award in the Pod Bible Listeners Polls 2023? We're up against many excellent heavyweights in the news and investigation category. I like the fact that we're in investigation. Quite right. <laughs> so we'd be very grateful for any votes you can spare. Just go to podbible.co.uk and tick the little box beside Paper Cuts and we will love you forever. But we love you anyway, you know that. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Maggie Thatcher vote snatcher. Keir Starmer tries to woo the Tories by invoking Maggie T. Unmerry Christmas. Is the secret to seasonal fun simply staying sober? And no snow business. Why are the broadsheets not excited about Ice Rink Monday? Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where the deadlines are tight and the headlines are right. I'm Miranda Sawyer and joining me on the show today is New Statesman columnist and general election enthusiast, it's John Elledge. Election, election, (laughs) election, election. And also with us is comedian and general erection enthusiast, (laughs) Marcus Brigstock. Erection, erection, (laughs) erection. That's how I make it happen. Oh, fucking hell, Marcus, put it away. (laughs) Sorry, everyone, it'll be like that for ages now. (laughs) I found it best to ignore it. So what do we have on the front page today? John, what do you have? So uh, the eye has a very exciting and in no way upsetting story. Exclusive, Tories losing voters to Farage amid anger over high migration. Can't possibly screw the rest of us over with that data. Uh, Over in The Guardian, Starmer, Labour will not turn on spending taps if it wins election. Mm, fun. <laughs> it's really great out there today. <laughs> uh, it, it gets better. The Times, economy pays heavy price as UK gets fatter. <laughs> it's so weird. It's proper. Like, I feel like I'm in the day to day. And last but not least, the Daily Telegraph, Sunak to block BBC licence fee increase. Apparently the corporation needs to be realistic about what the public can afford. Cheery. Okay, mm. what do you have, Marcus? Yeah, more of a similar front of the uh, Daily Mail. PM warns BBC over biggest licence fee increase for 40 years. Uh, they're going to have to cut costs and he's going back on the deal they made. Uh, the Daily Express, don't write us off. Tories plan for election battle. Crikey, I was starting to think that the polls were indicating they were in trouble, but I've looked at the Express. I think they're fine. They're gonna <laughs> don't write be, us off. They're going to be fine. And also, there's a picture of the Royals under business as usual. Everything's fine there too. Uh, the Sun have got train strikers, balls to Britain, union parties, but you can't. Mm. Um, and the mirror, Thatcher backlash, hits Starmer. Finally, um, obviously, you know, the extreme weather has had actually a pretty serious impact on people up and down the country. And so the star have gone with Skate Britain <laughs> and a picture of a man falling over. <laughs> oh, and a, a, a car trapped in snow with a lovely big penguin next to it. What's a penguin doing there? It's just in, it's a star. Penguins <laughs> are where snow is. Has <laughs> it got Rishi Sunak in a little plane? Um, unfortunately not today. 
Let's have a, a really quick look at that story about the BBC licence fee. That's on the front of the mail and mm-hmm. it's on the front of the Telegraph. John, what is going on? A couple of years ago, uh, I think when Boris Johnson was still in charge, the government agreed a plan for the, the increase of the licence fee in the next few years. It was like, for the, OK, for two years, we're going to freeze it. But then for the four after that, we will raise it in line with inflation. Uh, and we're approaching the point at which it should be increased in line with inflation. Uh, and someone at COP28 has asked Sunak, is that still happening? And he's like, no, I'm not sure. It's a bit It's a bit difficult at the moment. We're all a bit broke. Mm. It's not reasonable for the BBC to expect a 9% increase. Yeah. Now, that 9% is a measure of like the increase in, you know, just basic costs because everything is everything is screwed. So if the BBC doesn't get that 9% increase, it is effectively facing a funding cut after two years of freezes, which also amount to funding cuts. Um, and it means the government is going back on the deal. But the other side of it is like people are broke at the moment. And I suspect that like being told they're not going to put the TV licence up by 9% is probably quite a popular move, I'd guess. There'll be loads and loads of... Uh, people on both the left and the right with hashtag defund the BBC all over their um, social media things. And if you ever ask any of them, what do you imagine the UK would look like without the BBC at all? Um, Not not one of them has anything to say. Nothing apart from better. It would be infinitely better. They just imagine the BBC will stop doing the things they don't like and keep doing the things they do. Yeah, exactly. Now, on the front page of the mirror is the headline, slightly depressing headline, Thatcher backlash hits Starmer. This is because over the weekend, Labour leader Keir Starmer thought it might be a good idea to write a piece for The Telegraph. He was wanting... It's never a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted to appeal to disillusioned Tories, that kind of thing. Unfortunately, it didn't go quite as he imagined. John, what has happened? So, Starmer's column is about the state Britain is in. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's not great. Uh, He says, it's too easy to look at Britain today and throw your hands up in despair. He describes a once great country now set on a path of decline. Uh, this is a great line. In these difficult conditions, the current government resembles nothing so much as the sinking Mary Rose. That's not what I would compare the government to. Mm. That's not the first thing that comes to mind. But I it's think like he's a... trying to appeal to telegraph readers like ancient people. So, well, yeah, well, the telegraph <laughs> readers like. Is that, is that the last... S- sinking Elizabethan galleons. <laughs> I was going to say, is that the last sinking they can remember? <laughs> yeah, so like the Titanic's a bit too newfangled for yeah. But then he goes on to say that every moment of meaningful change in modern British politics must act in service of the British people rather than dictating to them. Margaret Thatcher sought to drag Britain out of its stupor by setting loose our natural entrepreneurialism. Mm. Now, he does go on to talk about how Tony Blair did this and Clement Attlee said that Labour should be a party of duty and patriotism. He talks about how Labour has reinvented itself as a party that puts the country first and the Tories have been moving away from the voters. But the problem is nobody's read this far because everyone's just gone, ah, Starmer, Starmer praised Thatcher. He's a Tory. He's a fucking Tory. Mm. And that was two days ago. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a disaster. It's, I genuinely think the problem with is you say the words Maggie Thatcher and you're on the left, you just have to say Maggie Thatcher, she was terrible. You know, mm. that's that's the only way you can you can deal with her. If you say Maggie Thatcher had a few good ideas or I don't know, great haircut, nice handbag. I mean, it just you cannot praise Thatcher if you're in if you're part of the Labour movement. You just can't. The, I mean... <laughs> The lack of nuance and subtlety. He'd have been just as well served to put on a deep blue twin set and pearls <laughs> and a wig and go, uh, Starmer's not for turning 
And uh, that would have had the same reaction. Like, I, I, I don't mind what the right do. I mean, the, the male have said, is there nothing Sir Flip-Flop, which they're desperately trying to make <laughs> stick, um, won't do? He's nothing like Thatcher. And Which, if you read or listen to what he said, he said, mm, no, I'm nothing like Thatcher. Mm. Um, uh, but the left are up in arms about it. And the, uh, you know, the, the Greens and the SNP have thrown as much fuel on this particular fire as they can all over social media, all over the weekend. Keir Starmer basically says he's Margaret Thatcher when he seems, doesn't. But it seems so stupid to me. I just think, did you not realise this? If you if you invoke Margaret Thatcher at all, people are going to chuck it back at you. I'm, it's like such bad media kind of uh, uh, media approach. Who's advising him? Unless, unless uh, at risk of sounding like one of those people who sits on Twitter all day going, oh, it's a dead cat. I wonder if actually this is kind of part of the plan. Because he wrote this in the Telegraph, he doesn't say he's a patcher, right? He mm. just he just lists these leaders who changed the country, but you know he's clearly trying to talk to a particular type of Tory voter and not necessarily get them to vote for him, but reassure them that he is safe, that they don't have to go out and vote Tory to stop them. Yeah. Um, and actually, like people on the left go are getting hysterical about this, kind of works in his favour on that front, doesn't it? Does it? I unless, was really upset about it. I have to say. <laughs> well, unless they don't vote for him. Yeah. Unless they don't vote for the party. Uh, but, but I mean, this is this is why the, the whole country is fucked, though, isn't it? Because it doesn't actually matter if a lot of people on the left don't vote for anyone because they live in like Hackney and Manchester Central and mm. places like that, which Brixton, are going to... And the, exactly. the university cities, and the, sorry, the big cities and the university towns that are going to vote Labour anyway, mm. their votes don't count for as much in electoral terms as the kind of, you know, the old people in swing seats who he's trying to talk to. Yeah. That explains so much about British politics is that some voters just don't count as much as others. Oh, I don't count. I live in Brixton. <laughs> 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 OK, look, also on the front of The Guardian, we have Keir saying that if and when Labour get in, they won't be whacking up the public spending. Labour will not turn on the spending taps if it wins election is the headline. So what does this mean? I mean, I think it means, well, it means two things. Firstly, the country is broke mm. after 13 years of Tory mismanagement. No one has any bloody money. Um, it also means, once again, that like Starmer's big message is, no, I'm safe. I'm not one of those normal Labour leaders. I'm a cool Labour leader. You can trust me with the nation's finances. I have to say, when you read these headlines that, you know, Keir Starmer is, has said Maggie Thatcher is all right and he's not going to like switch on the public spending tax. It does make me feel a bit glum. I wanted something a bit jollier. Better things aren't possible. It's <laughs> yes, like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, although I've done it before, I'm happy to wave the flag for boring and steady. <laughs> you know, I but really can't he be um... cheerful boring? No, he's Keir Starmer. Oh. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's not allowed. That's what Angela Rayner's for. I know. That I is why they are the dynamic duo. <laughs> They're perfect. Angela Rayner can 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 flame away and be exciting and and bang the drum and, and all the rest of it while Keir Starmer goes steadily plodding forward like a lovely, reliable Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we need. Okay. <laughs> now, across the top of the Telegraph front page is the traditional Christmas season survival guide. How to avoid becoming overweight, hungover and distraught. <laughs> Christ, I'm all three of those right now. <laughs> 
this December by Liz Hoggard. It's in the features section. Marcus, what is going on? Yeah, she says, I feel a slight existential dread as Christmas approaches. And there's, uh, it's really nicely done this in the features section because there's even a wine ring stain uh, <laughs> on the paper. I When I picked this up this morning, thought that the Paper Cuts team had gone in a bit early. <laughs> <laughs> got at it. She, I mean, she's got lots of advice, but also it's kind of, it's advice against her own life, right? So her life <laughs> is quite full on and quite hectic, as I'm sure lots of people's are. But mine isn't like this, so the advice in here didn't make a lot of sense to me. She says, even for a dedicated party fiend like myself, okay, so well, that's me out then. Christmas is a tightrope with so many of us clinging on for dear life. She doesn't know what tightropes are. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, that's not how, if you're clinging on to it, you've absolutely (laughs) ruined it. As we navigate lunches, drinks and work parties, all often on the same day. She says, isn't it slightly mad to try and cram a whole year's pleasure into one week? Yes, it is, Liz. (laughs) That is mad. So don't. She says, by Boxing Day, I want to retreat to a darkened room. Missing the fact that Boxing Day is surely the greatest day of the year, where it's totally acceptable to get a litre jar of mayonnaise with some turkey skin and call that a sandwich. I mean, that's (laughs) that's magnificent. Um, She says you often end up with brunch at one family's house and dinner at another's. Well, don't. Just just try to... I mean, to be fair, that is sort of what what Liz Hoggard is saying. She's saying try not to say yes to every single one of these. Then they get on to the sort of expert advice. So under stay on the straight and narrow when you're drinking more than usual, it says put your glass down after a few sips and walk away. Now, I love my family. Very, very much. (laughs) But just a heads up uh, at the Brigstock family, if you put your glass down and walk away, someone else will drink that drink. (laughs) But yeah, but mine's would be, I mean, you don't put your glass down. Anyway, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even drink. So for me, that's mugs of squash. Um, (laughs) Walking around the room, swiping a toddler's squash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really bizarre. Why have you got a sippy cup? Um, She says, uh, yeah, avoid bloat and weight gain when you're tempted with rich food. Why don't you just not have Christmas at all? Um, (laughs) What about the eye? Because Lucy Mangan has got her own take on how to survive Christmas, hasn't she? She has. Is that in here? She has. And to be fair, uh, Lucy Mangan's piece aligns much more closely with with how... Your approach. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. I mean, my in-laws... And my wife have taught me an incredible lesson, which is see fewer people. (laughs) And that is exactly what Lucy Mangan uh, is saying. She said, I had to start holding firm and saying no to things. Tis the season of willpower, an entirely different and notably unjoyful undertaking. Mm. And then there's this lovely detail here from her wedding day. She said... Um, I once floated the idea of my sister standing in for me at my wedding when I suddenly realised basically the whole day was going to be a party about me. Um, (laughs) She's an introvert. She can't handle it. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, every year the papers run how to survive Christmas stories and everybody's Christmas is different. There are some people for whom Christmas is difficult because they're alone or bereaved or because they're because they're not bereaved and family are still around and their family are really awful and loads of people myself included who absolutely love it 
And part of loving it, I think, is learning how to say no to some things. Yeah, that's true. And over the actually on Saturday in the Guardian, uh, Grace Dent, who's kind of come out of I'm mm. I'm a celebrity, which I really don't blame her. It rained and rained and rained and rained, and you're surrounded by quite boring people. Mm. I would have done the same. Anyway, she had a column about being sober at Christmas. So she's been sober for two and a half years, and she's been having a much better time since then. And her her arguments were she's she's always really funny. She goes. Just like little Alad Jones, this is b- before she gave up, I was walking in the air, or more accurately, three sheets to the wind <laughs> from about eight de- the 8th of December until the end of the year. <laughs> is, and- is a suggestion there that when Alad Jones recorded The Snowman that he was pissed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tiny little Alad Jones, yes. It's, yeah, so basically she's saying it's much better having a, a sober Christmas, you don't have lost mornings, you know, you can do wholesome stuff, i.e. go ice skating rather than just standing by the barring skates. <laughs> 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 Which really makes me there laugh. There is that. In fact, I will be, what's the date today? Yes, I will be, assuming I don't get drunk later today, 33 years sober tomorrow. Nice one, Marcus. Yeah. Congratulations. Bang on, 33 years. Incredible. After a while, you learn the ability to go, I'm going to pop off now. Yeah, just go Bye. home. I'm a sober ninja. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I do think we have a slight, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sober. I'm very much not sober. But I do think we have a slight cultural issue in this country in that, like, I live on my own. I am fairly recently bereaved. I need to see people on a regular basis. Mm. And the natural way of doing that is to go to a pub. Mm. And it's like, I just sort of culturally don't know what the alternative ways of kind of seeing my friends on a regular basis are. And there are some nights where it would probably be nicer not to drink three pints. It's yeah. ice skating. <laughs> that I'm afraid um, it's it's either pub or ice skating and that's if it. If I'm not going, if I'm not <laughs> being persuaded to go ice skating when I'm pissed, I'm definitely not doing it sober, <laughs> am I? You're up for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think I think that's exactly right. I mean, it is a it is a weird cultural phenomenon. If you're not meeting for a drink and you can't have too many coffees, I have learned that yeah, over the period. Should we meet for a coffee? Yeah, I've had six. Um, it is it's difficult to know how to meet up. The only other thing you can do is dog walks. Yeah, you're going to have to yes, schedule yes. some dog walks with other people with dogs. There you go. Yeah. Uh, now's a good moment to plug Sarah Milliken's wonderful initiative that she set up years ago. It's hashtag join in. And it's for people who are isolated for whatever reason on Christmas Day and just want to meet up with people online. Hashtag join in. And it's a really lovely, lovely thing. Yeah. Now, as you all know, at Papercuts Towers, we love our headlines, which is why every Friday we give you our regular fix the headline competition, where we ask you, the Papercuts listeners, to step in and revive a story from under its desperate ailing header. On Friday, we gave you a story from The Star about how most new billionaires got their money from inheriting it rather than earning it. The headline was, Nepo babies born to be billionaires. Yawn, yawn, yawn. But we knew you could do better than that, and you did. On X, Robin Thomas gave us simply the bequest. Very good. Mm -hmm. John Penny had a go with to the Wonga born. Two-wheeled tank tried Baby, it's gold outside, which is really good. I think that's really good. Yeah, very festive. <laughs> and Stephen Johnston came up with the excellent woman gives birth to billion pound baby. <laughs> 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 On threads, Paul O'Neill did well with who wants to be a billion heir, as in hair. Ah, very good. I like that. But the winner, also on threads, is Daniel in Cornwall with Titch better have my money. <laughs> <laughs> 
That kept me laughing all night. A worthy winner. Just send us your address and T-shirt size to Daniel in Cornwall and we will send you a Papercuts T-shirt for you to wear, not only in Cornwall, but wherever you wish to be attractive. What about in today's papers? Any good headlines for us, John? OK, before I get to the headline, I want to, I want to ask some questions about this story. Apparently, army chiefs are a whisker away from overturning a century-old ban on beards. Oh, really? Since 1908, the British Army has not allowed anyone to have a beard. Apparently, um, the RAF has permitted them since 2019. The Royal Navy has always allowed them, which makes sense when you kind of think of like Captain Birdseye or, or whoever. Yeah. They're, they're, they're getting rid of this rule because they think it is a barrier to recruitment. Especially now, there's lots of, yeah, beards yeah. are in, aren't they? An army insider says, we're in a really difficult jobs market. If a ban on beards is putting people off, then it needs to be reconsidered. Do we think that it's the ban on beards <laughs> that is preventing people from not, joining the army? Not on its own, no, but they also have a ban on top knots, which is the main reason that hipsters... <laughs> Uh, don't want to join. I don't see any reason why we couldn't have an entire platoon of people riding penny farthings with a top knot and a beard. <laughs> They're going to change the uniform so you're allowed to dress like Arthur from Peaky Blinders. So that's where we're going here. Anyway, the headline is Special Hair Service. Okay, yep. very good. All right. Uh, also in the sun, um, there is a, a teeny tiny little nib about how... Um, a number seven shirt worn by George Best in his 1966-7 heyday at Man United has sold at auction in St. Ives for £16,700. Wow. Uh, that's basically the entire story. Mm-hmm. The headline is George Vest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like mean, that. Yeah, good. The word vest is always funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got, Marcus? Uh, well, apparently Claudia Winkleman is a sheep whisperer. So she claims. I think it's to do with the fringe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's to do with the fact that she can't see beyond her own fringe and a lot of sheep have the same I don't believe experience. she's ever met a sheep. She is an urban woman. There's yeah, no yeah. way she's met sheep. Well, the Strictly Come Dancing host reckons she has a special power for communicating <laughs> with sheep. And so the Mirror have gone with It Takes You to Tango. Very good. E-W-E-U. Um, but this is my favourite of all. This is a cracker of a story. Um, this is in the Daily Star. Apparently, parrots squawk with accents linked to where they live. Great. Right, this is really good. So that's the story. And the headline is, that's a pretty boy, that knows. <laughs> <laughs> and they've also got, this is lovely, a beautiful parrot wearing a flat cap with, you'll never squawk alone. <laughs> Now, if you live outside London, you might have noticed it has snowed. The white stuff is all over the Star, the Mirror and the Mail with various exciting headlines. The first snow hell is one of them on page three of the Mirror. In the bleak midwinter, says the Star. And also um, the RAC has come up with Ice Rink Monday, which is very good. So, John, the thing that I found a bit weird is that the broadsheets have kind of tucked it away. It's like on page nine of the Telegraph and it's just a picture of a motorist pushing their car. It's a bit. So, a confession time. I didn't know until we started prepping for today's show that it had snowed. Yes. Uh, I had no idea. The frostless London elite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just metropolitan elite. It's like seven degrees outside. We're all fucking... I'm literally... 
literally wearing a tropical shirt. You genuinely are. <laughs> genuinely <laughs> actually has palm trees on I it. look like I should have a fucking parrot with a, with a cockney <laughs> And a huge cocktail. Um, but I just find it interesting that, like, the papers have apparently not noticed either. Like, apparently all the broadsheets have simultaneously decided that because this isn't happening in London, it doesn't matter very much. Mm. It sort of reminds me of... Um, I think it was 2018, uh, Saddlewolf Moor was on fire for about three months before it came to my attention. It just feels like, you know, a large part of the landscape next to the second fucking city is on fire Mm -hmm. and nobody in London mentions it. Yeah, it's very, it's very odd. But anyway, I do say the the tabloids have, the tabloids have kind of recognised where their audience are and they've got lots of, they've got lots of lovely pictures. Beautiful pictures. There's a photo from Blythe of some... um, Beach huts, beautifully yeah, different coloured painted beach huts set against the monochrome of the snow. And it's it's stunning. The Peak District's got a couple of lads on a sledge. I mean, I, I, I always think when it snows in the UK, there's usually a fuss about it with lots of people going, well, it's ridiculous. I mean, in Norway, they have snow all the time and they can cope and it's fine. Yeah, because they have snow all the time. This happens really rarely. And then there's usually a story on local news about one tosser who skis to work. <laughs> and I've, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who loves skiing more than I do. But I always think, oh, fucking pack it in. <laughs> Put them back in the garage, you arsehole. Just don't go to work that day. There is a story. Forgive me, I can't remember which of the papers I read it in. Mm. I think it might be the star. There is a story about some people who got stuck in Ambleside in mm. the Lake District. Yeah. I think there was a choir and a band. Mm. Uh, the ones with babies were in local houses. Mm. Uh, most of them were sort of bedding down in the sort of local school gym. The, and someone said the reason they couldn't get out is because their van was so full of drums. Oh, couldn't move couldn't the drums. Move. They couldn't leave the drums behind. And, and, and you know, sorts of stories. They're they're like they're the same every time. People help each other. Yeah, we're surrounded really by kindness. You know, yeah, not in lovely. that London. They don't. Not in that <laughs> London because there's no need. <laughs> Can I do my bit about Scotland's gritting machines? Please do. Oh. Yeah. So like this has been going for a while now. Every year it goes viral. Pretty much every year. Uh, it's not even the Scottish government. Apparently, these these gritting machines are named by the construction firm Amy Limited, yeah. to w- w- which runs them. Uh, but they have a, a series of great names. You can see a map of them online. Uh, names for Scottish gritting machines include Skid Vicious. Nice. <laughs> Sweet Child O'Brien. Uh, you Only Grit Ice. Oh, that's very good. They're Gritalica, really good. Snowy Tribbiani. <laughs> uh, and Sir David Attenborough. Uh, this year's names have not been released yet, uh, but they've already said that one of them is going to be Keanu Freeze. Oh, this nice. is great. We like this. Very good. OK, look, we've got another story, especially picked out for you, Marcus, actually. And this has been in several papers over the weekend. And this is the news that the world's smelliest cheese oh, is about sake. to go on sale exclusively at Asda. <laughs> <laughs> This is very exciting for Marcus, who is a cheese expert. I am, for listeners at home, in a small studio right now with two people who only moments before we began this recording revealed to me that they both, not just are not keen on cheese, they hate cheese. Yeah, I'm, we're literally, I'm moving my chair I onto am, the other side. I am a <laughs> qualified international cheese judge. <laughs> Genuinely, I, I I received an email only this morning from the magnificent Guild of Fine Food to attend a tasting event where I will be able to try the uh, 
the winner of the World Cheese Awards this year. But this, this is excellent news. Well done, Asda, stepping up and and it's called. We have the name. Yes, supporting British cheesemakers. These are cheeses made in Scotland, and the the washed rind one that they're saying is the smelliest cheese in the world is called the Minger. And uh, <laughs> how is this good marketing? It's, Why would someone voluntarily eat something that's described as the world's smelliest anything? Yeah. Let alone it being called the Minger. This ginger Minger, which is what it is, <laughs> is a bright orange cheese. It's quite sticky to the touch oh when it's when it's properly right. Every one of these adjectives makes it sound worse. Oh, but it's yeah. stunning. I mean, the taste of it is just beautiful. It do, It's fairly pungent. Most washed rind cheeses are... Um, but uh, they've also taken on one of Alex James's cheeses. Now, From he, out of blue. He made uh, a blue cheese called Blue Monday, named for the New Order song, and moved production to Scotland where they're better equipped to uh, to make it. And it's now called Blue Mudder in Scotland. <laughs> and I've tasted it and it is an excellent cheese. Well, this one also apparently is, is, is going to possibly go to Asda as well, Blue Murder. Yeah, um, so the person who runs uh, Highland Fine Cheeses, which makes the Minger and Fat Cow and mm. Blue Murder, I mean, really, how tasty do these things sound, um, has described the Minger as this. This is how it smells, John. I mean, this is like why we don't want it, right? Meaty, unctuous and cabbagey, oh, which just Jesus. is like, this makes, honestly, is, it's but, making me gip. But is is meat nice? Yes, it is. Is cabbage nice? Just, yes. Is unctuous a way of describing things that are nice? Yes. The smell, it sounds like a terrible fart. It is a little bit guffy. Oh. I will, I will grow that. Why are you smiling as you say that? Because it's the most delicious <laughs> thing on earth. It's really kind of it, it's strange because the smell doesn't taste it doesn't taste very much like it smells it's really kind of buttery and quite rich but it doesn't have that kind of acid burn that some really ripe oh, cheeses God. have you know it's all just made by bacteria uh, it's, so it's all just rot miranda have you found in your life that there is a lot of prejudice against people who don't eat cheese yes we're considered really unsophisticated <laughs> people get genuinely angry with you when you say you don't like cheese yeah, yeah but take you it do... personally even though we are leaving more cheese for them it's this comes all the way back to the first story that we covered the entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> Of, of Britain, Keir Starmer's Thatcherite <laughs> revolution, right? So loads and loads and loads of dairy uh, farmers who found as the milk price was was crushed by supermarkets continually driving it down, that the only way they could make any money was by taking their milk and turning it into cheese. Because then there's a you, you add some skill, you upskill and you up price the milk and you make it into something that people are like, oh, well, that's worth it. They've spent ages on that. That's beautiful. And so it's it, it's definitely smack bang in the in the centre of of the entrepreneurial spirit that both Thatcher and Starmer share. <laughs> if only he just said cheese. Yeah, yeah. I if like just cheese. Said, this Christmas, <laughs> try to eat more British cheese. That's my recommendation. <laughs> that would have worked. And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Marcus. Thank you. And there's just time to mention our fabulous Papercut shop. There's only three weeks until actual Christmas. Can that be right? Oh, my God. So why not stock up on fun gifts for your friends by visiting podmarket.co.uk, our online store. There you will find exclusive Papercuts hoodies, new design Papercuts T-shirts and excellent Papercuts mugs that say, thank God for the star on them. (laughs) (laughs) And there are also top bits of merch from our companion podcasts, Oh God, What Now?, The Bunker, This is not a drill and origin story. So click on podmarket.co.uk and solve all your Christmas quandaries in about five minutes flat. 
I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when a learner driver failed their driving test 59 times before finally passing. At first, they couldn't fasten their seatbelt. Then it all finally clicked. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Papercuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with John Elledge and Marcus Brigstock. It was produced by Podmasters Managing Editor Jacob Jarvis with audio production from me, Robin Lieburn, and assistance from Adam Wright. Our music's by Simon Williams, designed by Jim Parrott, original art by Modern Toss, and social media by Jess Harper. Group editor is Andrew Harrison, executive producer Martin Boytosh, and Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.